listening to Vocal Underground. Welcome to episode four of Vocal Underground, a music discovery podcast that connects you with the people behind the sound. I'm Cleo Spencer, the former college radio DJ and podcast aficionado behind this venture. With support from STN Digital, a marketing agency based in San Diego, I've created this podcast to support local underground artists and give you, the listener, the opportunity to know them. Because music is about more than just a catchy chorus. It's about giving voice to our stories and connecting over our shared experiences. So let's dig in. Meet Spooky Cigarette. My name's Frank. I play the keys and vocals and Spooky Cigarette. Um, and yeah, do a lot of the songwriting and whatnot as well. Don't be modest. This is, <laughs> this is Frank's project. Um, my name's Jacob. I play guitar and I sing backup vocals. Uh, we have three other guys in the band. Um, Pepe Gonzalez, he plays guitar and keyboards. Uh, Daniel Gallo. He plays bass, and Skylar Epler uh, plays drums and um, is band dad. Right. <laughs> That's cool. What is band dad? <laughs> he just takes care of us. <laughs> yeah. He'll, like, you know, monitor the bills or, like, <laughs> drive us around, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's the responsible one. So then how did you all first meet each other? Um, we actually met... Well, Skyler, Jacob, and I all used to work at Landmark Theaters, um, the La Jolla Cinema, before mm-hmm. it got tore down. So we all met at the theater, and um, and then Pepe is more of the recent member. He kind of just joined. We just knew him from playing music, the music scene. Um, and Danny, I don't know, I think Jacob knew him somehow, but also kind of just a person in the music scene. Mm-hmm. When we were, all worked at the theater, we were kind of the only musicians there. <laughs> so, I mean, I had been playing other bands, and all of us had played in bands before, but at the time, it was just kind of slow for all of us. So we started a band together called Trips. Or no, before that, it was called <laughs> Jesus AD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we changed the name to Trips. Um, and then it kind of got to a point where we, you know, we all were writing our own music. 
um, and we all kind of just agreed that we would help each other perform each other's music and record. But when it got to Frank's turn, his project, Spooky Cigarette, started receiving attention in ways that other projects hadn't. Yeah, it was strange. It was supposed to be something where we just released an EP, played a couple shows, uh, but we just kind of kept getting offered shows. Um, and after some, con- it took some convincing, uh, but after a while, Frank was finally, you know, game to, to actually like give the project like a, a little effort. You know, it, it, it took a while to get him to, to, to really think that it was worth, you know, continuing with, because for him, it was just supposed to be, you know, uh, let's record this and let's play a couple shows and, and we're done. Um, but it just, there seemed to be some kind of like, uh, momentum and something that we hadn't really experienced with the other projects, something more organic and, and um, exciting. Um, so, yeah, we kind of strong-armed him into, into keep going, <laughs> continuing to, to move forward. <laughs> Both Frank and Jacob were born and raised in San Diego, coming of age in the local music scene. But at this point, they're kind of over what attracts most to the coastal city. Yeah, it has, you know, I think like anybody... If you like grew up somewhere, you have a natural. I don't want to say anybody, but I know for me, like and me, I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't know what you're gonna say, but I, I'm assuming what you're gonna say. I, I would like want to live somewhere else at one point. You know, you get kind of burnt down is. on it. <laughs> so, but I love it's my hometown. So it's still kind of this thing where it's like, yeah, like I know San Diego. I'm familiar with it. You know, but a lot of things I think people are really excited about San Diego, or whatever you know would bring them here from somewhere else. It's like stuff that I don't care about anymore. Like the beach. Like <laughs> how many times have I been to the beach? Like I grew up next. I mean, I never lived by the beach, but for the you know for the sake of argument, like I've been to the beach way more than like <laughs> those people. So now it's like stuff like that is just isn't exciting for me anymore. I don't care about the Delmar Fair or like <laughs> you know just stuff that people would like love San Diego for. The one thing I will say that I still love San Diego for that other people probably would is its proximity to Mexico. Yeah, in um, LA, you know, San Diego's strange. It's 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 like a, it's kind of like a cultural backwater. It's like the eighth most populated, I think, eighth most populated city in the United States. But wow. the art scene does not. It's not representative of that population. <clears throat> We're so close to LA um, that LA kind of acts like this planet with this just intense gravity, and um, so anybody who really kind of gives a shit about the arts or music um, or culture really at all, uh, ends up moving up there. Um, just because if you're, cert- if you're looking for a career there, you just can't make it as an artist in San Diego. And um, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer because it's just this kind of endlessly self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, the more people move up there, the more the art scene thrives and the more that San Diego's art scene sucks. Um, and so it's, it's tough. It's really kind of this catch-22. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think with a lot of this stuff, the whole like cycling off of projects, um, during that we created this little collective called Field Trips. Um, and one of the goals for that was, was to try and like kind of curb that, that, that brain drain, um, at, at least by, you know, getting um, some kind of recognition and some kind of, you know, better opportunities for, for bands and artists in, in San Diego. Uh, because we do have a really robust and, and impressive music scene. We have so many amazing bands that just all have this sort of, um, you know, hyper uh, competitive sort of uh, 
uh, mindset that that does nobody any good. Um, and so it's it's it ends up being this really kind of fractured scene. Um, Pepe talks about this all the time. Um, you know, right now the South Bay is like amazing. The all ages sh uh, scene down there is just awesome. They support their bands um, and uh, and uh, just trying to translate that into something bigger in San Diego is, or, or just extrapolate on that is, it's been tough. It's understandably tricky to create a music scene that is both welcoming and exciting for all ages. And while the Field Trips Collective started out as a DIY label for projects like Spooky Cigarette, it's now helping to build up that scene in San Diego. Yeah, uh, so Field Trips kind of just started as a, almost like a vanity project for us. It was like a a label that we wanted to just put our own stuff out on. And the original idea was that we'd cycle through everybody's project and then put out like a little box set of all of them. It was a very simple idea. Um, and then, you know, reality got in the way. Like, oh God, bands take a long time. Oh shit, it's expensive <laughs> to record. Oh fuck, it's expensive to press things. Um, and so from there it sort of evolved into like a, in addition to, to a label, it, it sort of evolved into a booking collective. Um, and I've kind of taken off and or, uh, went off running with that. Um, and I've used it as, as uh, in addition to a booking collective, just something that tries to um, get the unknown underground local bands more press. So I do a monthly um, local playlist that's put out with Listen SD every month, a very cool local music blog. Um, uh, but in the future, we're really hoping to partner with some of uh, our favorite local bands and put out their music. We want to put out compilations. We want to do more festivals. We want to do events. We want to just try and, like we said, create some sort of, if not thriving, sort of thriving um, local art scene. You know, it's tough uh, because, like we said earlier, the scene is so fractured. But for us, it's really not about making money at all because we don't. We don't make any money, <laughs> just for the record. The music we listen to growing up often has a lasting impact on us. For Frank, he can still trace his love of new wave to the skate videos he used to watch as a teen. I loved, I remember like falling in love with new wave, you know, right after Ska. I was just like, okay, I'm done with Ska. And like, ever since then, like... You threw your bowler hat <laughs> down and like... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I already kind of liked it because... You know, I was a skater also, and in the skate videos, they always would play like cheesy new wave songs. And so I remember always thinking that was like, you know, just bold, I guess. Like, there was definitely this ridiculousness factor 
but it was also like super cool because it was so like over the top. And that's kind of how I saw New Wave at the time, you know, because it was like kind of outdated. And I, I mean, at that time it was not, everybody wasn't doing 80s, you know, at the time it was still like pop rock, kind of garage, like, I think the biggest bands at that time were like Franz Ferdinand and The Strokes and, you know, that, that wasn't like 80s, I guess like-esque in a way, but, you know, I wanted to do like hardcore, like 80s, 80s like keyboard synth stuff just kind of from, again, just listening to these skate videos. So I, I fell in love with just New Wave, and um, I think that's like the core of like the sound that I go for. So would you call Spooky Cigarette New Wave, or how or do you have like a genre that you think of? Um, yeah, I, I, I like to think of it as New Wave. Um, a lot of people say it's like No Wave. It is kind of No Wave, definitely, especially you know, I have a lot of unconventional stuff going on with my vocals um, and just kind of like very subtle and odd <laughs> changes and structures, things like that. Um, I also kind of do weird kind of chord progressions, put some like altered chords in there. Um, so I guess that's where like the no wave part kind of comes in. Um, there can also be this like kind of post-punk edge to a lot of the songs too though. I think a lot of those kinds of like classic punk and post-punk bands in the 80s dabbled in all that stuff though. I mean, Buzzcocks, The Fall, like all that kind of stuff. They, they did everything, you know, they, they went all, over, all oh. over the place. And those genres are all kind of like so intimately connected um, yeah. that a band can easily be all three of those. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite music growing up? You mentioned a little bit when you were like a teenager, but what like, got, first got you interested in music? I just thought it was rad. We had a um, an assembly in like fourth grade or whatever. I think it was fourth grade, and it was for band class. So they had like you know like a big band group come and play, and I just remember seeing them and just like hearing them play and how fun it. It just looked super fun to play an instrument, and I originally wanted to play trombone, um, but my mom had a hard time finding that, and I ended up playing trumpet. So that was like my first instrument and, you know, I played that all the way through middle school. Um, so my, I guess like, I never had like cool, like older brothers or whatever. You know, I had two older sisters, they like Jodeci and like SWV and you know, stuff like that. That wasn't like anything that I would have been listening to at that age. Um, if anything, I just kind of liked random stuff. <laughs> I remember actually <laughs> the most like, Embarrassing. It actually kind of still guilty pleasure is Enya. That oh was one God. that I <laughs> Enya, I remember that song. I think it was um, Orinoco Flow. That was like, I remember that it used to be like one of my favorite songs growing up. Dude, I could take a mean <laughs> bath to Enya. Yeah, I know. It's super comfortable. Like. <laughs> I started doing music stuff in like sixth grade. Um, my dad was in a successful band, a successful reggae band. Um, and uh, I, he was a singer, and so I, I just I, st I joined choir in like sixth grade, and kind of was was in it off and on through high school. And around ninth grade was probably when I first picked up like a guitar, um, and just kind of played two or three chords for a couple years, just uh, very casually until I wrote my first song, and I was like, oh my god, like is this what it feels like to write a song? Holy shit! And I just kind of got addicted to that that 
that feeling of like, and it wasn't even, it was, it's weird because for me it was always like listening back to the song and I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. It was always this sort of like, this process of discovery, you know? Like the 80s synth and post-punk bands, their music references, Spooky Cigarette's name is actually a wordplay that some might not pick up on initially. Yeah, so really, <laughs> the funny thing about this was, again, like we were saying earlier, this was just supposed to be a project to be the Phil Chips um, catalog. Yeah. And so I never expected anything of it. Um, but for that reason, I told myself, like, you know what? I, I need, I know music has power, and I, I need to find a way to, like, um, just make that scene, you know, at least for myself. Uh, because I wanted music, I wanted to have an opportunity to make music something where um, it would just do something spectacular for me in my life. Um, and that's why I kind of use this project to like come out and just be honest about everything. Um, and I just think about myself, I'm normally kind of a more reserved, not a very outgoing guy. He's probably the, <laughs> most, the most reluctant front man I've ever met. <laughs> the most reticent front man. But with that said, for whatever reason, I'm able to do it, you know? And I know people who are the exact opposite of me, they're boisterous, but yet like, they are like terrified of going on stage and like performing and stuff. So that's how, that's like the number one way I knew that like I could use music to like do something that I normally can't do because I was already doing something that I normally probably wouldn't do. Um, so initially when I came up with the name, there was a few names in mind. One was A Psycho Kills a Bad Man, which was a name of a, a Native American folklore story. Um, the other one was Excavations. Um, <laughs> the other one <laughs> was Spooky Cigarette. And at the time I had like little computer demos that I did. And you know, it was the City Beat, um, what do you call? Demo review. Yeah, demo <laughs> review. And I said, okay, well, I'll put my demo in. I'll put it as a Spooky Cigarette. If they like it, then I'll keep the name. If they don't, then I'll choose another name, you know? Um, and they wrote something that was like pretty good, so we kept the name. They, um, they actually specifically said, what did they say? Anybody who names their band Spooky Cigarette gets points in my book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't think he knew what the, what the name meant, but. Right. And that was kind of the thing with the name. Um, you know, I didn't want something to be like overly obvious. But something that if you like really thought about it, you know, you could, you could figure it out, you know, you so can detect the meaning. So what does the name mean? <laughs> so sp you know, spook is a derogatory word. It's archaic, but it's a derogatory word for a black person. And cigarette in England is, is or slang for cigarette in England is fag. But in America, fag means something else. So basically it's black fag. And so I wanted something like bold, but like <laughs> just, you know, masked, I guess. Um, and that's kind of why I came up with the name because I was like, okay, well, I can use this. This project's not gonna become of anything, but I can use this project to at least like do something with my life um, that will be meaningful 
you know. Because especially at that time, I was like on the verge of just like losing, I don't want to say ambition for music, but yeah, let's just face you it. You definitely like, were, yeah. <laughs> I already had been in a bunch of bands I thought were super good. We, like Jacob said, we had been on tour, like, you know, had all this like press and like nothing happened with these bands. And I kind of just saw myself like, okay, well, I'm not getting any younger. Like the likelihood of me like becoming a successful musician is like slim to none. You know, so at this point, I still want to play music. I love it, but how can I like use music to you know have something spectacular like being a successful musician happen? So that's kind of the whole background of why I named it Spooky Cigarette, and I wanted to use it as a way to like you know come out and um, and it was still like really scary, but for whatever reason, not as scary as like. <laughs> sitting people down and be like, okay, I get it, you know, like, there's something about just, like, pulling the band-aid kind of, kind of, they have that kind of feel to it, you know, like, once it was in the, the press and everybody knew or whoever knew, it was just like, okay, well, that's it, you know. Right. It's like one big punch as opposed to a bunch of little, like, punches. <laughs> I don't know. Right, I was pulling the band-aid off instead of being like, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, you know, it was just like, Psh. And now, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm like a super flamboyant type person. So, yeah, obviously, I'm still going to have to go through that with some people that don't know me, you know. But I don't have that kind of um, that worry anymore, you know. Now it's like I can easily tell someone that I'm gay, you know, and that's very, I'm, you know, it feels really good because I didn't have that feeling before. I was like terrified of that, you know. But now it's like, well, that's just who I am, you know. If you don't have a problem with it, and there's nothing you. I can do, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you don't have to talk to me, that's fine, you know. Like, While Frank would happily drop his 9-to-5 cubicle job if the band took off, he and Jacob both know the pitfalls all too well. I mean, I'd love that, definitely. And if things go there, you know, I would quit my job in a heartbeat. But with that said, you know, I'm also not a type of person to <laughs> gamble or bank on stuff like that. So um, it's like, that's like the toughest part about just being in the band and like trying to work full time because you know your kind of focus in that realm is just divided. It's really hard to see bands, especially when you're in the band and um, you're not really like an outsider looking in. It's kind of hard to see your band grow. And for that reason, I think it's hard for people who are in bands to see it as something being 
successful or something that has that capability. Um, and I, I think that's like my case is that, yeah, like, you know, we've had some really cool shows and stuff like that, but it's hard for me to be like, okay, yeah, this band is like, it's gonna do something, you know? Um, I only gonna see that when <laughs> we're playing like Rochella or something, you know, <laughs> like once we're getting paid like thousands of dollars each per show, you know, that's when, but that, at that time, like to get there, you know, that's the, that's all the work. Yeah, the exactly. And that's what like, you know, the professional part comes in where it's like, you kind of have to like pick and choose your hours, you know, and where are you going to do, um, where are you going to find the time to do all that type of stuff? So, yeah, a large, a large part of me will definitely, if, you know, something came up with this, um, I would definitely, <laughs> definitely, I mean, that's my dream, I would definitely take that opportunity to, you know, travel the world, whatever, even if it just, like, fizzled out after a year, you know, I've seen bands, that, that happens to all the time, they came up with a rad album, you know, for two years they were all over the place and then no one knows who they are anymore or listens to them that much. What was that crazy statistic that came out about Spotify plays? It was like, you need one point, like, it was four million. You'd need 1.4 million plays for somebody to make minimum wage for a year. It's just like, you know. <laughs> like one band member. Something's kind of wrong there. That doesn't sound all that right. Yeah, yeah that's... You know, nowadays it's, in the same way as wealth, um, musical power and popularity has just flowed to the top 1%, you know, and um, so, you know, would I love to be a professional musician? Like, fuck yeah. Would I love for us to be touring the world? Like, fuck yeah, you know, but I'd also love a private island with a whole <laughs> bunch of miniature horses that's made out of hamburgers, you know, but that's, it's just... Right. We're not gonna be able to make a living off of Spotify plays, um, right. and it's just you know it, the machine needs to be behind you. Yeah, and I, the machine can be tough to convince. Right. If the machine isn't behind you, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands. As part of the Field Trips Collective, Jacob is looking to organize more benefit shows to revive the local scene. Shows like the Be Well Fest, which he helped put on this month. The idea for this show, which focused on suicide prevention in particular, came from a friend in another local band. He recently went, went through something um, that affected him personally, um, and, and it affected him a lot. And he kind of came to me with this idea to do a festival that was centered around um, something that just raised some money or awareness or really anything uh, in, when it comes to issues of mental health, primarily those directly relating to suicide and suicide prevention. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, we, we, but, you know, more than that, we weren't trying to throw, like, a sad fest. You know, we wanted to throw something that was fun and something that was geared towards all-ages kids because, again, like we were talking about earlier, the all-ages kids just don't really have all that many opportunities to go to shows. They don't have the venues that, that, they, that they used to have in San Diego. Um, and so our, our goal was really to kind of get the kids in with like a crazy stacked bill and then like kind of trick them 
<laughs> to support a, a, a decent cause. Right. You know, that's kind of been my, my mindset with a lot of these field trips events, um, which is the, uh, you know, our, our collective. Um, and there will be a lot more in the future too, but, but the goal is to get the kids in for good music and then trick them and actually teach them something. You know, so, I, you know, my goal is to throw benefits for Planned Parenthood, ACLU, um, some uh, immigrants' rights groups, um, want to do, uh, oh, and ideally those ones especially, um, want to get voter registration booths and, and just educate people on the ways to get involved to at obviously not stop because reality is off the hinges and doesn't seem like we can stop anything anymore, but at least combat some of the just baffling madness that is going on in this country. Um, and I feel like the arts and music is the perfect kind of way to express those things and get people together <coughs> for, for celebrations as opposed to sad affairs, I don't know, cultural funerals. Mm -hmm. That kind of seems <coughs> like what we're living through every day. Headlines debating the merits of diversity and racial justice have undoubtedly increased over the last year. And underground music scenes shouldn't be left out of this national conversation. There have long been critiques made that many DIY spaces are dominated by straight white male artists. As a booking collective looking to support local artists, Field Trips is actively trying to create a scene that reflects the variety and diversity of artists in San Diego. Definitely, actually, yeah. Um, that's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because inclusion and, and representation is something that's very important for us. You know, I'm mostly white, but I'm also Mexican, and, I, and I'm very proud of that. Frank is obviously very white. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's definitely important to me and to us to have some sort of equal representation. Uh, very often in scenes, like you mentioned, it just becomes this kind of whitey-white guy fest, you know, a bunch of white dudes playing their guitars and stepping on their pedals. Um, but that's not what the scene looks like in San Diego. That's not what the scene looks like anywhere. Um, those just kind of end up being the bands that, that get play, uh, you know. Um, so on the playlists especially, I, I do my, my absolute best to, to, um, uh, to be as representative as possible, uh, which, which luckily for me is, is easy because there are more than enough bands um, fronted by femmes, fronted by people of color um, that, that are amazing. You know, even on this next playlist, we have uh, Della Cruz, who's this just fucking really rad um, uh, female producer from, from uh, South Bay. She puts together this really kind of like entrancing um, synthy pop stuff. We have Boy Chick, who's fronted by uh, Danny Bell from Danny Bell and the Tarantist, who's you know amazing, uh, part of the Redwood Collective. Um, well, not that band, uh, but we also have Bertie Bardot coming out on the next playlist, who's part of the Re that Redwood Collective, very very talented as well. Um, and that kind of stuff is important. You know, it's it's a lot of the times it can be an afterthought. Um, a lot of the times people just want to maximize attendance, so they they don't necessarily think about what you know band composition looks like. Um, but that stuff is important, you know. As a, if a young kid goes to a show, and um, as I'm sure Frank experienced many times, um, if you go to a show and you don't see anybody like you, um, or don't see anybody who necessarily represents your your demographic, it's obviously going to be a di disincentive to go to another show. 
And if you want people to come out, if you want a representative scene, you have to consider those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone should feel welcome. And, and you know, it's, the funny thing is, I don't think it's just about that either. Like, a lot of those bands are really good, that's too. <laughs> that's the thing that I should mention, yeah. I, I don't do anybody any favors. I don't, you know, I don't put songs on there just because you're a person of color, just because you're a, you know, a femme. I put good shit on there, regardless mm -hmm. of who you are. I just, I'm lucky to be um, able to find a bunch of good shit, you know? Exactly. I think a lot of people, you know, who have any kind of social struggle also just kind of have things to say um, artistically, you know, whether that's lyrically or sonically. Diversity only improves art. Yeah. I mean, a, a wide range of perspective only improves art. Um, the way art dies, shrivels up and fucking dies, is when you have a, a, a narrow view of it, is, is when you only can see right in front of you, you know? And I, you know, all of this said, I'm, I, I am not talking shit on white kid bands because there are a bunch of amazing really fucking good white ones. kid bands. Yeah. Always, always, you know, yeah. and there always will be. Um, they can afford all the lessons and <laughs> the gear and stuff. You know, there, there, there can be a privilege that goes along with that. Um, and we're not here to hate on anybody for their privilege or whatever. Um, but, but, yeah, diversity only improves art. Nodding your head along to what Jacob and Frank are saying? Keep the conversation going by finding Spooky Cigarette on Facebook or Instagram at Spooky Cigarette. Coming up next month, they'll be releasing more New Wave slash No Wavy jams on Spotify and SoundCloud. And while you're on social media, don't forget to give Vocal Underground a follow. Another interview with a local band is coming your way next month. Till then. Till then.